Hello and welcome back to the Music Creative Podcast with me, Hugh, or 93 Acres. And today I have a really good friend with me, Mac Rose. Or Zach. Zach, how are you getting on? What's up? I'm good. I'm good. Zach is a good friend of mine. We've written a few songs together over the over the years and hung out a lot and just jammed ideas about music and just had a lot of fun. So today we're going to be talking about songwriting arrangement. So songwriting in general, but also in particular how to arrange songs. So where are you going to put intros, verses, choruses, pre-choruses, bridges? Or maybe you won't have any of those. Maybe it'll just go verse after verse after verse, Bob Dylan style. But there's lots of options depending on what genre you're writing in. And also if you just want to change it up. If you're like, oh, I might be writing in pop, but I just want to make it different. And there's lots of options here. So Zach has lots of experience with this, don't you, Zach? Yeah, you, so. <laughs> before we get into that, tell me about yourself as a musician. Yeah, so I kind of, I got into music kind of late, maybe when I was about 16, I started uh, learning to play guitar because my friend got a guitar he was playing. I was like, oh, I want to learn. So learned a bit of guitar, started listening to some rock and grunge and was kind of into that for years and years. And then when I was like 19 or 20, I started um, more into the production and more songwriting. And I was in college for a couple of years doing some uh, professional musicianship and uh, a lot of kind of studying writing and stuff there. And yeah, I released music as an independent artist, Mac Rose, and I definitely have a lot of experience with uh, production and arrangement, especially. Yeah. Um, was there anything in college you learned in particular that really like opened up another world yeah well i don't know about like opened up another world but it was kind of good in college because like the fact that we studied it made you really conscious of your arrangements like i think before i was kind of i was listening to kind of less poppy stuff stuff that maybe the arrangements were a bit looser or less important like if you listen to grunge music the arrangement isn't hugely important it's normally quite simple all the boys just like lashing out the instruments for most of the song or whatever but in college, it was more looking at kind of pop arrangement for the most part, not all the time, but and it really makes you think about not being completely self-indulgent in your arrangements and don't just be thinking like, oh, I love this bit, I love that bit. Kind of try and step outside yourself and think from the perspective of the listener, like, are they going to be bored after 16 bars of me playing the same chord? Or, do you know, like just just ways that you can kind of keep people's interest without them even knowing a lot of the time is, is something that definitely in college they kind of uh, nailed down at least getting us to think about yeah that's super interesting because you're balancing your own creativity and what you want the song to be but then you're also thinking about the consumer if you if we dare even use those type of yeah, yeah. that type of jargon or the listener the audience your fans uh, and that's actually something because we've obviously made music together we've two tracks together but one something I found um, like something you really excel in is knowing when to choose uh, the you know choose the audience and like what will be nicer for them to listen to and when to choose oh I like this bit so much I'm gonna keep it. Oh, in. Us. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> trying to find that balance. Do you have any like ideas when you when you're approaching some uh, like a a challenge like that? What what are you thinking or how do you decide which way to go? Yeah, I think it's really important to kind of understand that and think about it and be conscious of it because you kind of need to ask yourself why are you write music. Like, you just write music because you love it. It makes you feel good. Like, you just write some songs in your bedroom. You might play at a couple of parties or something like that. And that's fine or whatever. But if you're producing music and like, or making music and your aim is to kind of build a fan base or you want people to enjoy your music, for sure, people, there will be people out there who will enjoy your music 
maybe if you don't think about arrangement or think about the other person listening at all. But it just kind of might give you that edge if you do, if you are looking to gain an audience and you are looking for people to listen to your music, just think about the listener when you're writing to, or especially arranging. And um, like, it's something I think about all the time. And I think about myself, like, because I think especially if you write a song, you can be quite biased and be like, oh, this is so good or whatever. Like, you, you can't, no one relates to your own song better than yourself. So it's easy to get caught up in like, oh, this melody is so good. But like, it might show someone else and they're getting bored after 20 seconds and it's because you've not done anything interesting in the arrangement. So I think you kind of need to ask yourself, why are you writing the song? Why are you producing it? Or if you're not producing it, why are you arranging it? Do you want other people to be interested? Is it just for you? Is it just a piece of art? For me, it's kind of both and I like to have a balance. I like to be, you know, make sure I'm keeping my artistic integrity and like everything I'm doing, I'm uh, relating to or whatever. But also like, I want to keep people interested and it's definitely a challenge in music that I think like we should all uh, take up because it's easy to just write a song, record it, throw it out there. But all them little bits in the arrangement that keep people interested and listening is what really takes a song from like, you know, like kind of home studio singer songwriter to like, you know, professional standard. I think. Absolutely. And when you started learning music, what what was the moment that you were like, that you realized there was such thing as arranging in in particular orders, like you know the pop having verse, chorus, verse, chorus, bridge, chorus. When did you, what was your learning experience there at the start? I think it was college really that made me think about it critically. Like when I was just writing songs for myself, I was writing them, recording. I was in a few bands and you have to arrange in a band, like just by kind of um, just necessity, you have to arrange. So I suppose I was thinking about it a little bit and how we could change stuff up. But I was in kind of grungy rock bands initially and then some bands in college where we were playing for other people. And then I started thinking more about arrangement and um, also like doing auditions for gigs in college. Like, so like there was a thing we had in college where you play your song, it was partly an exam, but if your song was like deemed good enough or whatever, you get the, the end of term gig or whatever. And none of my songs would ever get the gigs. And I was like, what the fuck's going on? Like, why are none of my songs getting the gigs? And it kind of makes you think critically, like, obviously as well, music's completely subjective. So like, you know, maybe, uh, maybe the people listening didn't resonate with them for whatever reason. Or maybe it was something I needed to look at myself. Maybe I wasn't enticing the audience enough with either my performance or my arrangement. Um, yeah, it, it's it, you have to also like keep the balance and don't be completely obsessed with pleasing everyone else with your music. Because at the end of the day, like I mean, for me, it's kind of a question I need to ask myself recently: is I'm doing it for myself. Like I want to enjoy the music, and if I'm always thinking about the other person, never myself. I won't enjoy it. So it's about finding that balance, I think. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. And recently you've been delving a lot into, uh, would you call it trap? <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's it. Sorry, I should probably mention that. Um, when when I was in college, actually a lot of the songs I was writing in bands and stuff were nothing like the music I'd released, or at least not too close to it, more kind of singer-songwritery, um, arranged in bands. And then I bought a MacBook and bought Logic and pretty much just started producing from there and went away from recording live instruments because it was a bit of a nightmare and requires a lot more gear and um, acoustic treatment than maybe just recording your voice and using MIDI instruments. And it kind of led me to trap. And 
yeah, I started really thinking more of a pop mindset rather than like, let's say artsy fartsy. I don't want to say artsy fartsy because I don't like, you know, like doing it less for like the beauty and the art of it more than like, you know, like, oh, I love, I don't know, this beat is sick or I like the feeling of this beat, but also I like to keep people interested. Yeah, it's a, it's a, it's a tricky balance to find for sure. And what 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 arrangement what arrangement we usually would you usually go for in trap? Are you thinking like that pop formula? Yeah. So it's actually an interesting one and trap is so influential now in at least the pop world. Um and that you know, I think this one of the few notes that I'd written for this uh, was that I think classically like pop you've got kind of verse, chorus, verse, chorus, bridge, chorus. And for years and years that was like cool, that was a thing. In Trap, I think one of the big things for a while was like the song started with the chorus. So maybe like a quiet half chorus, the next half of the chorus, like with nearly all the arrangement or all the instruments and then into the verse. Um, and I do that a lot of my songs. I like to kind of tease the chorus first or play the chorus first to get people straight into the zone of the song. If I can, like it's not obviously possible in all songs. Um, but another thing I'm seeing a lot in the pop world is they do like a chorus but they'll it'll just be really stripped back like so just the vocalist like you know that song um i don't know what it's called a b c d e f u oh yeah yeah yeah, yeah. so it starts with a real like it's like an acoustic guitar and her singing the chorus then she sings the verse and i heard another song recently completely a different artist i don't know what the song is but it was the same a really strict back really stripped back chorus and then the verse and i love that because i think today with all our short attention spans it's really nice to grab people straight away and if you can get them kind of just on the hook a bit without giving everything away i think it's a really really good tool and a really good arrangement tool um yeah i might have dived a bit ahead with that one but that's just something that was on my mind even recently so that's super no that's really super because like that's that is the the point of the chorus like so if you break down the section so chorus is all about the hook and mm-hmm. if you want to have a song that hits the charts and, you know, is an earworm, is, it, is that what they call it? You know, you need to have that, that hook. Makes sense. You need, to ha- you need to have that hook that's reoccurring. And by the end of the first playing of the song, people need to be able to hear it again in their mind. And exactly. that's a great way. If you put the chorus first, but with really stripped down production, you're starting to get that vocal melody and vocal lyrics into their ear. And it's also allowing you to start and then the song on the course, which is, you know, the main purpose of the pop to get it into their ear. Exactly. I think like, I don't know whether I've just noticed it now as an adult and as someone who pays attention to music, but I feel like in the past it was more stereotypical to just start on the verse. Whereas now, like, so I think like most of the songs I listen to start on the chorus now. It's just super trendy. I think it kind of fits with all our short attention spans with TikTok and like originally with Vine and now we only watch like, you know, short videos for the most part. You need to grab people quick or they're gone. Yeah, and that, that's a really good point. TikTok is really pushing um, and moving what we're listening to. And because it is 100%. all sound bites, if you put your chorus first and if someone hears it when they're out and about, because you obviously start the song at the beginning, if that's the bit they recognize from TikTok, they're more likely to keep listening to it, being like, oh, that's what that song is. I wonder what the rest of it sounds like as opposed to it's a bit one minute into the song or the first chorus after 40, 40 seconds, which used to be the thing. And you're not going to get to those 40 seconds because you don't realize it's that song. I was just going to say, like, and don't get me wrong, like there are some bangers out there with long intros. Like, and sometimes I really want to write a song with a long intro that's just slow and rising. And like one day I will, but 
I think that you need to ask yourself why you're releasing your, this music. Like, I don't think it's like ruins artistic integrity to put a chorus first. I think you can still keep the feel of your song and the genre and whatever you're doing. And just something simple like putting the chorus at the start of the song is a really good way to grab people first and get that balance of, I want people to listen to my music and be interested and I want to be interested in my music too. Yeah, absolutely. Because if we break it down then, so chorus is your hook that we all want to listen to, but your verse is where you really talk about the story and go into the more facts and details. So why should someone care about whoever you're singing about in the chorus or whatever you're singing about in the chorus? Which initially, like in the old style of songwriting pop, you always had the verse that kind of like introduces the concept of what's happening. And then the chorus was your hit. But now you're like, the chorus has to make sense as you go along, even if it's two or three verses in between the choruses, depending on how long the song is. So it's kind of an early, another trick to make sure the chorus can work. Although you can always, always change the words, but try and find it to work um, among all the different verses. Definitely. And how do you find if you put a chorus at the start, how long would you make the track or how many verses are there in between? What would your structure be then if you put the cor chorus first? Yeah, I think I'd, I'm, not, I'm normally quite... I don't, well, not loose with my structure, but like, for example, I won't always have a bridge in my song because um, I don't know, like, it's just, I think it makes the song considerably longer. And I think, I think short songs is another thing that even I like, I listen to short songs. I listen to long songs too, but like the other day I was watching Top of the Pops, uh, New Year's Eve, I was watching Top of the Pops from like the 80s and 90s and 2000s. And the songs were so long and you've heard the chorus 10 times before the song is over. And like, I, I apologize to all them people who write them great songs and I don't have the attention span to listen to a chorus that many times or a verse that many times. If I want to listen to it that much, I'll play it on repeat. And I do that all the time. Like I, I was in the gym today. I listened to one song on repeat because I love that song. And it's a, it, it's a really short song, less than three minutes. It could even be less than two. And I just play it on repeat because I love it. Um, I can't even remember what you asked me. Yeah, but, I, that's, re <laughs> but that's really interesting because you're kind of hacking the system then because if it's a short song and someone re-listens to it, I think we talked about this before, like years ago. But yeah, then we did, it's, we did. Yeah, when we were releasing our own tunes together, when, you're, when you shorten the song, if they like it enough, even if it's only like two or three courses in it, maybe at the start, middle and end, and then all of a sudden they're going to listen to it again. And then because at the minute, you know, streams are everything, more or less in the industry right now, you're making people give you more streams as opposed to just listen to the three and a half minute song once. But if it's two minute or two 15, they might listen to it twice. And then all of exactly. a sudden you've gotten yourself two full streams as opposed to just the one. Exactly. And like a lot of the people that kind of got me into trap or whatever, like I listened to a lot of XXX and I was like getting into trap like 2017 or whatever it was. Um, his songs, his best songs are so short, but like I would listen to them on repeat or I would listen to them like, no, if I was in the car, I'd listen to them like every day, like a few of them or whatever, like one minute, 50 seconds, some of them. Like my, I think my favorite song by him is like a minute and 50 seconds and I love it. And like, you know, they're the type of songs I will just play on repeat because they're so good. And maybe if they were longer, I wouldn't, or they, they wouldn't get as many streams for me anyway, for sure. But yeah, I think structure wise, like I'd normally be, I, lo I love to start with the chorus anyway, if I can. And then a verse, a chorus, a verse, and an outro is normally about as much as I will do. Some songs kind of ask for a bridge, but it depends on the song. For the most part, though, I like to try and make a song as short as I can and try and grab people in as soon as I can with a chorus. That's really interesting. Did you say verse and then outro? 
Oh, did I? Okay, so no, I don't do that. I chorus and then outro. Ah, uh, so chorus first, chorus first, chorus outro. Yeah, yeah. So it's like a CVCVC outro. <laughs> yeah, or the or the last chorus could be a faded out chorus or mm. something like that. I think you've done that on a few of your tracks. That's really really nice. I like it. That, that's actually a mastering trick. Uh. Yeah, that's, that's slightly different. I, I don't always do that for arrangement-wise. I do it because I can squeeze in more volume without having to um, reduce too much more dynamic in my, in my master. We'll have to get you on again for a mastering chat because that's, that's so <laughs> interesting, how to get your songs yeah. as loud as possible, get that dynamic range. Yeah, That's yeah, super interesting. Yeah. God. Oh, we're all over the place today, but it's really interesting because it's stuff we're so passionate about. But like, as I, as I said at the beginning, like we're both so passionate about writing a really good song that can connect with people and uh, trying to find the balance between hacking culture, if you want to, if you want to call it that, it's kind of difficult to know how to, de how to define these things, but hacking culture, so shorter songs, more streams, and also put for TikTok, having a really catchy bit that might be something interesting, like the A, B, C, D, E, F, U song, where it happens straight off at the start and then all of a sudden people recognize it, more streams. Makes a lot of exactly. sense. Yeah. And, and from there, have you ever written longer songs? Have you ever delved into the longer songs then? I have. I think I think Wasting Your Time is pretty long. It's the song that myself and Hugh have together. Mike Rose, Night to Eggs, Night to Eggs, Mike Rose. Acoustic version coming soon. <laughs> yeah. Well, how long is that? That's like three minutes and something. Yeah, 340 maybe. Yeah, that's a long song. To me, that's a very long song yeah. for nowadays that, that's like not on an album it's a single yeah um and i think it that happened because the song kind of asked for it yeah like, it, it's in pop form but it has it's really is it 90 bpm or something it's relatively slow chill bounce yeah i think that song might sound a little bit strange if we started with the chorus because just the way it starts it's like getting we've got that kind of um the sounds kind of closing in and then we hit with the with, with the first verse so yeah, here's me talking about I love to do chorus verse, chorus verse, <laughs> and me and Hugh's song is the most stereotypical uh, pop song. Yeah. Well, the first of our two songs, that's the one, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, that's true. And the second one, nobody to blame. Second one of our songs, we have a teaser of. No, we don't. Oh, let me think. Yeah, we start with the chorus. We're able to do it both. <laughs> Yeah, we do. Well, that one's kind of a bit loose. The chorus is, it's kind of like a long chorus or like you could say that what we start is a verse and where I sing high is like a climax of the verse and there might not be a chorus. That one's arguable, but that one is more getting them hooked in quicker, I think. Another seven. Yeah, we love sad songs, but it's good. I feel like that's something you do very well as well. Like you're very, that raw emotion, but it's very honest. Do you know what I mean? Authentic. Yeah, I'm hoping to write some happier songs soon. <laughs> <laughs> when you start feeling happy. When you start hanging out with me again. That's it. Have you ever written any songs that are just like verse, 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 verse? A Bob Dylan style? No, because personally I don't like them sort of songs. I say that, like if I heard a really good one, I'm sure I'd like it. But uh, yeah, no, I'd never written like that before. It was never something I'm super into. I like, you know, I'm not, I'm not going to pretend I'm like super um like artsy in my intent and in listening to music like i like to be 
to be pleased if it doesn't please my ear. I don't really listen to lyrics either for the most part. At least, you know, I listen I listen to lyrics when I've heard a song like 20 times. I'm really bad at that. So if it's just verse, 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 I'm not getting the melodic stimulation that I crave. That's really interesting. I'm very similar. I'm all about like listening out to the production and of course the vocal melody line and just like breaking down the harmonic stuff that's going on, the interesting melodies, lyrics. Yeah. Yeah, because lyrics are very difficult to understand first time round until well, maybe apart from the course and another part of the course is it, it should be easily understood, usually not too many lines. So you can pick up the meaning of the song because if you don't have the course, well, <laughs> you're probably losing a lot. Yeah, that's it. I think actually Shannon, my girlfriend Shannon listens to so much Dermot Kennedy and I I obviously don't, I don't have a problem with Dermot Kennedy. Like, he seems like a really cool guy. But and I think the production on his last album, some of the production was really cool and I could appreciate a lot. But I find a lot of his songs very singer-songwritery, lots of long, slow verses. And, like, I'm not too bothered about the lyrics unless the melody is really getting me going. So uh, he's someone that, like, goes straight over my head because he's so lyric-orientated. Um, and I'm just not, unfortunately. So... Although he's great, like he's got a great voice and he's got some great songs. It's just the lyrics aren't enough to keep me held. So verse, verse, verse isn't a thing for me. Unless the verse is like got a cracking melody. And if, if you're not so lyric orientated, how do you find it then writing your own lyrics? Uh, it's okay, I think. Like, I mean, it depends. Like some sometimes like it'll be the kind of approach where I'll be... I'll, I'll just come to me, I'll just know what I'm writing about and then another time I'll be really thinking about it. So I think I, I, I don't find it hard to write lyrics, but I'm more of a stickler of melodies than I am lyrics. Yeah, that's fair. And do you have any, uh, do you have any advice then for uh, melodies themselves? Is there anything you try and do when you're writing melodies for your chorus? Yeah, and I think this is something that definitely ties back into this whole arrangement discussion is like one thing for the chorus, like, I think with okay I'm just going to talk about pop again because it kind of covers everything I'm saying pop I don't just mean everything that's on the radio I mean anything you know like it could be a rock song that is poppy rock song or it's only poppy because it's popular or whatever like I'm not just talking about the genre pop or no I, I'm confused myself but anyway um <laughs> what was I going to say now what did you ask me uh writing melodies for chorus Yes, so I think stereotypically, um, a lot of the time people will try and like hit their highest notes in the chorus. They'll try and keep it, or they'll have more dynamic range in the chorus. They'll try and keep it reasonably flat in the verse. That's something that's used a lot. I think it's something I do that I've done in a few of my songs. Um, I definitely do it in my songs where I'll keep the range kind of limited in the verse, and then in the chorus I'll go a bit more crazy and I'll make the hook like uh, as melodically catchy as I can. And then sometimes, like, I haven't got a huge vocal range, so I don't always have the ability to just, like, with a lot of pop songs, they'll just belt in the chorus and, like, you know, sing quite, like, chest voice or whatever in the, in the verses. And then in the chorus, they'll belt and go chest and head voice and all this stuff. I don't really have a great vocal ability, so I kind of just use more dynamics than just absolutely belting out notes for a chorus. So yeah they're kind of little tricks you can use in your arrangement but definitely like the whole point of the chorus is to be somewhat of a climax 
And then there is also an anti-chorus, which is a thing as well, isn't it? Is it called an anti-chorus? Well, yeah, like... yeah, because you are like you have you know a build-up and an anti-drop as well. That was something Charlie Puth used to talk about a good bit when he released Attention. Oh yeah, that kind of stuff. Yeah, he builds all the build-up and the risers and all the instruments are in and it's feeling nice and thick, and then all of a sudden it just drops to vocal and. Uh, bass I think in the chorus and then things add in and that's super effective that was real trendy for a bit there was that song from is it Five Seconds of Summer the song um, Oh Young Blood was it called Young Blood? I'm not sure Young Blood do you want it do you want it party of life okay so it's like that a Charlie Puth song they've got all the arrangement and then it just drops and it's just bass like kick drum and bass and then singing and it's so effective it sounds so good yeah as well because it has the four to the floor doesn't it and yeah yeah it's really feeling and like the bass is absolutely kicking you in the chest it sounds so good so that's another thing too but also they have used in that song the kind of trick where they go to the top of their range or go hit the highest notes in the song in the chorus so they are still kind of um hitting them like I don't know, not really stereotype, but like them key elements to make a climactic chorus. Mm. And you know, something I've noticed that really, like so many people are doing it right now, is you come into the chorus and you're keeping the instru instruments relatively simple. It's lead vocal, which is driving the whole thing. You might have like a kick, a bass, and maybe that's it. If it's like a synth bass, that's huge and it's really covering like all your mids yeah. and all your lows. And then they added that syncopated hi-hat with a snit with a clap on the one two three four and it just love that so simple which is the i use that all the time syncopated hi-hat it's a great arrangement trick as well like in a verse or a chorus especially in a chorus though you, you want to play the first four bars leave the hi-hat out and then it's something so simple you add the next four bars you add a syncopated hi-hat and it adds so much and it's so simple and like it's that thing that like just keeps the listener interest. I think actually we haven't really touched on this yet, but it's a super important point, at least that I am very aware of now and something that I was made aware of in college is like um, at least every, I think they said eight bars. I would kind of typically go four bars if I can make one small change to the arrangement. So like if, if one thing happens every, what we'll say four bars minimum or maximum eight bars, one small change happens. It just, it just can sometimes be enough to keep your ears interested. Um, and a really good example I have is, say, uh, John Mayer, Gravity, right? It's such a good song, but the arrangement is terrible. Right? Uh, sorry, John Mayer. I, I used to love, I used to listen to a lot of John Mayer, but such a beautiful song. The chord progression is so nice. The vocals are so nice. The drama is so nice. Uh, like, everything is so nice, but it's just so nice all the time. It's these exact same instruments playing the exact same thing for the whole song. And I'm so bored after two minutes. And it's such a shame because I think only tiny changes were needed on a song like that to just keep you interested. And like, you know, like there are small arrangement things, but I think that's a perfect example of an amazing song. But the arrangement is so repetitive that for me, at least, it's not enough to keep me interested. Yeah, it, it is. It's funny how little things can make a huge difference. And we often add in too many layers and we're too far gone where really in reality you should keep it as simple as possible. There's an Ariana Grande song that does it really like so simple. But then as you, as you add in one layer each time, it just feels like it's revitalized. You can start bouncing again to the max. 
he's got some next level producers i think uh I, like i never listened to ariana grande but when that song thank you next came out that song is so good the production is so good the arrangement is so good like like in that song every four bars or every eight bars something small changes or they'll add like a little motif at the end of a line or something and it sounds so good like just tight it's the really small touches that kind of like just make an arrangement so interesting to the year and just bring it from like a eight to a ten yeah absolutely and it's interesting how it is four bars it's like every four bars something new four bars something new and it can be something new added in or it can be something dropping out yeah that's a really good point or it could be just a different set of instruments it could be like i don't know it could be like the piano could be in there once and then the bass is in there once or it could just say i think phineas does this a lot where he might use like piano or electric piano in the first verse but in the second verse then it changes to something a bit more synthy and it might be like an arpeggiator just keeping it different keeping it interesting keeping the audience engaged the whole way through yeah like it, it doesn't need to be groundbreaking you don't need to be like pushing boundaries every four bars you just need something small just to keep everyone just like keep them with you yeah and it's funny we mentioned charlie puth already because i do remember him mentioning in his song attention uh there was like a breakdown video of it and he was saying how he loves to put something new in every course even if it's something really small and what he did in attention was he added in a cowbell in the second course and that's all that's different exact same exact same vocals exact same everything just a cowbell it's that one small thing you add in just to change it which is kind of a nice reminder that we don't have to overdo it yeah and a lot of time you won't know why a certain part of the verse sounds better or why you're not getting bored like a lot of songs would do something like they'll sing the first four bars and then the next four bars they'll sing and there'll be a tiny bit of backing vocal behind them and like 90% of people won't even cop what's happening that's different, but they're still interested. They don't ask themselves why they're still interested. They just are. But as a producer, if you're listening to it critically and like analyzing it, like I know why it is, is because they've introduced this back and vocal that is just like doing enough to their ear to keep them focused. Absolutely. And with, with vocals, I think Ed Sheeran's a great example there where he uses an octave down vocal in every course. And he might do an octave up as well. I'm not sure if he can get that range. But it's that just two octaves of the same vocal melody line. He doesn't even stray into harmonies too often because it can kind of come a bit too cheesy. So it's like just octaves in the choruses. And then that's where you feel the extra thickness and extra boost from the verse. And it's such a small change. Yeah, I love to do that as well. I think nearly all my songs, I sing and I sing an octave below myself and an octave above myself. And it's so simple, but it adds so many dimensions to a vocal. I actually, Lund, I listen to a lot. And he does it in all his songs. He'll have his his main uh, vocal and then he'll sing an octave below himself and an octave above. And like like myself, I'll normally put the octave below straight in the middle, kind of bassy, I'll leave it there. And then the octave above, I'll normally split into two vocals and put them either side and have that just kind of high frequency tease in either ear. But just add so like another dimension to it without anyone knowing why it's there. Yeah, so true. And that's actually interesting. You're talking about stereo, like panning things far wide. Another great trick is if you're trying to go for a bigger chorus and smaller verse, having things a bit narrower in the verse and then going for that full pan. That's a really good tip. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, and it's something something that you don't even need to do it too intentionally, but if, if your vocal is centered and you have just a couple of instruments playing in the in the in the verse, then when you bring all your instruments in in the chorus, I mean naturally, like even if you don't think about it too much, they're probably going to be panned you're going to have more happening. So naturally, I mean, if you're, uh, if, if you're 
aware of it if you're a good mixing engineer if you're producing it well we'll say you're going to be panning the instruments out and yeah like it's 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 another tip that um arrangement wise makes a big difference too yeah and just on top of that for something you could throw in ideas for throwing in shakers can be lovely tambourine even if it's a really low level and those are great for say doubling and what disclosure do a lot of the time is they'll have one shaker that might be higher for you can see like a sh -sh -sh -sh, and the other shaker might be sh -sh -sh -sh, but they're panned opposite sides and just because they're slightly different frequencies or one might be a tambourine one might be a shaker panned wide in the chorus maybe not fully wide they could be like 30 or whatever and just slightly different sounds and then once again that's just ac extra stereo field to just keep things interesting in the chorus it's interesting we keep talking yeah, about the chorus chorus is everything it is yeah like like for, for, yeah no it is it is i don't even like if you're writing a song that's first 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 that's fine like if you're leonard cohen or if you're bob dylan or whatever mm. um uh but i think yeah like i'm i'm definitely biased because i think from more of a pop standpoint or from a standpoint where i want people to be engaged in my music so i'm thinking about that stuff but yeah the chorus is the the, the be all yeah and i suppose it makes sense then for everyone when you're start when you're writing your songs to start off with the chorus because you could have a super verse but if your chorus isn't hitting and there's like there's no point in having the song nearly you know if you just need you need you need the chorus to be there i think that's a really good tip because in the past i would have not been aware of that and written songs where i have a verse and it's a cool verse and i get to the chorus and i'm like and i can't get a chorus that is as good as this verse like and this verse isn't a chorus and it can't be a chorus mm. but i can't write anything in the chorus so yeah that's that's a really good tip i think and then on just to sound on top of that how would you make sure you're writing for a chorus what makes it a chorus melody line instead of a verse yeah that's a really good thing so i think like i was saying before one way that or one kind of trick i'll utilize is i'll be as dynamic as i can with it or i'll make it really hooky where like it's really obvious i'm singing something that's I might go not too complicated so it sounds like something that's easily remembered or maybe something that's repetitive um yeah like either be repetitive be dynamic or don't be dynamic but like try if you're if you're going for that hook feel be aware like you want to make it a hook i think that's the best way to to, to kind of write like that or arrange like that is aim to make it a hook that's what pe that's what's going to get people is that so yeah set that goal and hopefully achieve it it's nearly as if if you're not hooked by it yourself, if you're not singing it around the house after you've written it, then what hope does it have nearly half the time? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like, because if you don't like your own music, I mean, for the most part, like, I don't, I don't know many people who write their own songs and don't love it themselves before they show other people. Uh, yeah, if you're not loving it, I don't think other people are going to love it. Yeah. It's a good thing you clarified before you show other people because I'm sure there's lots of people who hate their songs from like two years ago after they've, you know, released it and sang it a hundred times in concert, you know? Yeah, no, that's different. Yeah, I mean, like, um, like if you're in the writing phase and you hate your song and can't stand it, like, I'm not saying it's a bad song, but if you don't love it yourself, it's probably going to be a low chance that other people are going to love it. Yeah. In my experience. <laughs> yeah, Absolutely. Zach, I think we might leave it there. We've gone around the house and back again, and it was so interesting. Like so. little tips, left, right, and center. Do you, if, if you if you were going to give one advice to anyone who is starting to write music now, starting to write their own songs, what advice would you give them? Um, my biggest advice would be ask yourself why you're writing songs, why you're making music. 
Is it for you? Do you want to make a career out of it? Do you want to like, do you want to travel a bit with it? Do you like, what do you want to do with your music and go from there? Like, it, you know, if it's just for you, don't think too much about trying to please everyone else and this and that. That's fine. Like, it's for you. You're enjoying it. That's the main thing. If you like are trying to break into the music industry or trying to build up a fan base, then you, I think it's, it's a sensible thing to do to think about your listener also. Um, and you, you don't have to lose all your artistic integrity to do that. But across everything you do in music, I think it's important to find that balance. Ask yourself why you're doing it. Um, but definitely with arrangement, it's a huge thing. Are you doing it for you? Do you care if anyone likes your song, if you like it? Or you know, if you really care that other people care, then you need to put that thought into it, I think. Yeah, that's very good. Very concise, perfect answer. And now before we leave, where can people find you? So you can find me on Spotify, uh, pretty much whatever you listen to your music on. My name is Mac Rose. Um, yeah, a couple of collabs with 93 Acres. So there's a couple of uh, nice tunes there for you to listen to. So yeah, pretty much anywhere like YouTube, Spotify, anywhere you listen to music um, at Mac Rose or at Zachary McPherson on my Instagram. Yeah, super. That's Thank you really so much good. for having me on, Hugh. I tell you, thanks for coming on and sharing the sharing the knowledge because I knew you'd be perfect for this because you've always had a great uh, balance between artistic integrity and you want to be able to arrange things for the listener. And having that balance is very difficult, but you've no problem at certain stages just saying, okay, I love this, but no, it just won't work. And you just cut it there. Uh, I hate the phrase, but yeah, I, I don't know if you've ever heard the phrase of kill your babies. Uh, it's a phrase they use a lot. In, <laughs> it's actually a phrase they use a lot in songwriting uh, classes and stuff and lectures. Okay. Uh, killing your babies, like where... You just have to say, it's not good enough. Let's keep going. You know, that kind of way you feel attached to things if you move too slowly. Yeah, it's important though. It, really important. There's a there's a balance to be found there. Um, unless you are like a Leonard Cohen who can just rip everything up and just... He's doing it for him. Do you know, he was writing for himself. He wasn't writing for you at home listening to him. That man wrote for himself. And by... Yeah, he did it well. He, did, he sure did it well. Bye, Leonard. <laughs> Bye, Leonard, yeah. And same with Bob. Good stuff. All right, definitely check out Macros on Spotify or Apple Music or wherever you get your music. Um, we're going to have an acoustic version out soon. I cannot wait. That's going to be sick. Your voice is so emotional. I love it. It's going to be good. Tears in my eyes already. Thank you. Super. Oh. All right, thank you for coming on. I appreciate it, Zach. Thanking you. Sweet. All right, I'll see you soon, hopefully. Oh. <laughs>